to Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray here. Father, we ask that you would teach us something about this portion of Scripture tonight and uh, just make it come home to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this psalm contrasts the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked, or the uh, King James says the ungodly. So it would be the way of the godly and the way of the ungodly. One is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields fruit. um, And the other is like chaff which the wind drives away and will perish. And I'd like to illustrate this psalm, this really it's very simple truth, very basic Bible truth that we're looking at here tonight. Uh, I'd like to illustrate that by looking briefly at the life of two well-known writers, authors, um, both of which had their most famous works, their most famous books, first published on this day, uh, February 18th. That's kind of how I came upon this message, just uh, noticing that these two men had their most famous works published first on this day. Well, the first one we're talking about is a book called Pilgrim's Progress. It was first published on February, February 18, 1678. Then a little over 200 years later, on February 18, 1885, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn was published for the first time. Now, both of those books are considered to be masterpieces, but their authors' lives were quite different. And uh, I guess you would say they were as different as day and night, really. Darkness and light. Uh... So we're speaking then, of course, of the two authors, John Bunyan and Mark Twain. Now, both men were sinners, uh, 
but one embraced Christ and became like a tree planted by streams of water which yielded fruit. The other rejected biblical faith in Christ and even scoffed at faith in Christ. And especially later in his life was, just like it says here uh, in verse 1, he was a scoffer, sat in the seat of scoffers. Uh, but in his autobiography, written really just a few years before his death, uh, we can see something of what the truth of this uh, psalm brings out here, that fruit, godly fruit, lasting fruit, did not come forth from his life. And I just wanted to read you a section from his autobiography here. This is how he viewed his life and life in general uh, shortly before he died. He, he said it was foolish, foolishness, a mistake, accomplishing nothing. Uh, now, again, this, this autobiography was written a few years before his death, but he specified that it shouldn't be released until after his death. And he said that was to protect the guilty, which by that he meant himself, mainly. So let me just read some of this to you here. A myriad of men are born. They labor and sweat and struggle for bread. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other. Age creeps upon them, infirmities follow, shames and humiliations bring down their pride and their vanities. Those they love are taken away from them, and the joy of life is turned into aching grief. And this was after he had lost some ones that were close to him in life, uh, which devastated him. Uh, he says, misery grows heavier year after year. At length, ambition is dead, pride is dead, vanity is dead. Longing for release, it comes at last, the only unpoisoned gift earth ever has for them, death. That's the only unpoisoned gift that, uh, that life has for them. Uh, and they vanish from a world where they are of no consequence. This is his view of life, you see. You, you live, you, you sorrow some, and then you die. You vanish from the world, from the world where they are of no consequence, where they achieve nothing, where they were a mistake, a failure, a foolishness, where they have left no sign that they have existed, a world which will lament them for a day and forget them forever. Then another myriad takes their place and copies all that they did and goes along the same profitless road and vanishes as they vanished to make room for another and another and a million other myriads to follow in the same arid path through the same arid desert to accomplish what the first myriad and all the myriads that came after them accomplished. Nothing. 
So here is the, the famous writer, uh, supposedly a great humorist, and in the end, he lives for nothing, he says, accomplishing nothing. It's really uh, close to what uh, philosophically, if you would put a name on his system of, of thought, in the end anyway, it ends to be very close to what's called nihilism. Nihilism comes from where we get the word nil, which means nothing. And that's what he said life is. It's the idea that uh, nothing matters, nothing means anything, life is pointless and useless. That's what a nihilist says, and that's pretty close to what Mark Twain said life meant to him. So if you study his life, you see that there, was a, there really was a progression. It seemed like... Uh, the, the less he, uh, well, the more he denied God, the more he uh, denied the, the scriptures, uh, the less uh, meaning there was to his life. And in the end, this is where he ends up. And that's what the Bible tells us, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Uh, he was one who prided himself in his free thinking. And where did it lead? He rejected God's revelation in nature, God's revelation in his own conscience, God's revelation in Scripture, God's revelation in Christ, and he ended up rejecting any meaning to life. So that's Mark Twain. But let's consider Bunyan. Let's just consider the last years of his life. Uh, he'd been in prison a number of times for preaching the gospel. And he was released after his last imprisonment in 1677. And I just want to read you. Here's some of the books that he wrote. And, of course, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. But some of the books that he wrote after that, these were in the last years of his life. And you can almost... Uh, preach a sermon from the titles of some of these books. Uh, in 1678, he published Come and Welcome to Jesus Christ. That was an uh, exposition of John 6:37. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and no one who comes to me, and, and the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. So a whole book on, on just that verse. And, uh, of course, it's talking about the free offer of the gospel and the, that sinners should fly to come to Christ. Uh, the next book, 1680, was called The Life and Death of Mr. Badman. <laughs> and basically he was writing about wh what happens if you don't believe in Christ, what your life will be like, how you live, how you die. Uh, I read some of the... the uh, Death of Mr. Badman, the last part of the book today. It's pretty incredible. He goes just through different ways that people uh, who don't know Christ end up in their life. And actually, I mean, that's what we're looking at here with Samuel Clemens or uh, Mark Twain. Uh, 
Another book was called The Greatness of the Soul. Here's one man talking about the greatness of the soul. Here's another man denying that they even had a soul. Uh, the Holy War. The great conflict between good and evil. Uh, then he wrote the second part of Pilgrim's Progress, where Christiana makes her pilgrimage. And then how about this one? A caution to stir up to watch against, uh, watch against sin. A caution to stir up to watch against sin. In other words, you have to be diligent in your striving against sin. Uh, then he wrote one called The Work of Jesus Christ as an Advocate. One called The Water of Life. One called The Acceptable Sacrifice. So this, this is the way he ended his life, with these types of things coming forth. But uh, let me just close uh, and bring this uh, part of, of uh, looking at Bunyan here to his last days, his actual uh, time of his death here on earth. It says, in 1688, Bunyan died suddenly from a fever that he caught while traveling in cold weather. Actually, what he was doing, he made it, a, a young man had come to him because he, he and his father had had a falling out. And he said, would you help me be reconciled to my dad? And so Bunyan made this trip to another town, and he was coming back in, in bad weather, caught, caught a cold, and ended up getting a fever and dying from it. Anyway, on his deathbed, he said to those that were gathered around him, now, I just want you to think of the contrast here, what we just read from Mark Twain, where all is nothing, you know, misery and meaningless. Here's, here's Bunyan on his de deathbed. Weep not for me, but for yourselves. I go to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will, no doubt, through the mediation of his blessed Son, receive me. There's no doubt God's going to receive me because of Christ. Uh, though a sinner... And he says, where I hope we ere long shall meet, he's talking to his friends here, we'll meet in heaven, to sing the new song and remain everlastingly happy. So just the contrast, everlastingly happy to nothingness, despair, you see. I'm, I'm trying to point out what Psalm 1 is bringing out to us here, just by using these two men. Uh, after telling his friends that his greatest desire was to be with Christ, he raised his hands to heaven and cried, Take me, for I come to thee. Just said, Just take me, Lord, for I come to thee. And he died. Well, what a contrast, you see, between these two men. Both, you know, great gifted men. And yet, one, uh, no hope. No hope. Well, of course there's no hope. He rejected God's word. He couldn't get any help from the, the scriptures. He didn't believe in them. Bunyan, you, on, on the other hand, uh, he was greatly helped by God's word. I, I'll just read you a, a little bit, a bit here from his... Well, no, I'll do it right now. Uh, Grace abounding to the chief of sinners. He tells about how God began to convict him of his sin, and some of that had to do with just his foul mouth and cursing. Uh, and actually, he dealt with that some. He got some victory over that, but he, he knew he wasn't a Christian yet. 
And it took the word of God coming home to his heart uh, to bring him into the kingdom. Well, you can't have the word of God come home to your heart if you won't even trust in God's word. And uh, anyway, here's what he says. There's a number of times when God spoke to him. Uh, but this one day, as I was passing into the field, suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul. Thy righteousness is in, the, is in heaven. And I thought that I could see Jesus Christ as God at God's right hand. Yes, there indeed was my righteousness, so that wherever I was or whatever I was doing, God could not say about me that I did not have righteousness, for it was standing there before him. In other words, my righteousness is Christ. Christ is right there before him. Um, I also saw that it was not good. That I also saw that it was not my good feelings that made my righteousness better and that my bad feelings did not make my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now indeed the chains fell off my legs. I was loosed from my afflictions and irons. My temptations also fled away, so that from that time on forward those dreadful scriptures terrified me no more, those about sin and righteousness and judgment to come, which had terrified him. God used to convict him of sin. He said they, they terrified me no more. Now when I went home rejoicing, now I went home rejoicing because of the great love and grace of God and went to my Bible to look up where that verse was to be found, thy righteousness is in heaven. But I could not find it. And so my heart began to sink again until suddenly there came to me my remembrance of 1 Corinthians 1.30, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. From this I saw that the other sentence was also true. And he couldn't find this verse in this uh, verse, but he said, I know it's right because I've got this other verse. He said, I lived here sweetly at peace with God through Christ for a long time. goes on and says, now Christ was all, all my righteousness, all my sanctification, all my redemption. Moreover, the Lord also led me into the mystery of the union, of union with his son, with the Son of God, and I saw that I was joined to him, that I was flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. And if he and I were one, then his righteousness was, my, was mine, his merits mine, his victory also mine. Now I could see myself in heaven and on earth at the same time, in heaven by my, by my Christ, my head, my righteousness and my life, and on earth by my own body. In other words, I'm there because Christ is there. I'm in him. I'm here because my body's here. I saw that we fulfill the law by him, die by him, rose from the dead, dead by him, got the victory over sin and death and the devil and hell by him. And he goes on, and uh, I'll just skip over. He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord for all such scriptures. So the point is, Bunyan, because he trusted in God, put his faith in God's word, could be helped from God's word. Mark Twain said, I don't believe the Bible. 
and consequently you see the fruit of the two lives. If we trust in God and live for him and delight in his word, we will, like Bunyan, be trees that are fruitful. We'll experience fruit in our lives and there'll be that sense of God's presence and peace even in difficult times. Both these men had very difficult times, some of their lives, and so will you and I. On the other hand, if we reject God and his word and do our own thing and say we're going to be a free thinker, then our lives will resemble chaff, forever empty and unsatisfying, with little, well, I wouldn't say little, I'd say no fruit. So the way before each one of us, the ways before each one of us are clear. Will it be faith and fruit or unbelief and chaff? That's the two roads. And that's what I think this psalm is talking about. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would show us these two ways clearly. Speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that we would be like that person planted by the streams of water that uh, bring forth fruit. ask that you would uh, cause us to consider our way in Jesus name Amen